0: Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: Storytelling inspires, engages, and moves people to action. It's a superpower that anyone can learn. Welcome to Story Powered with your host, Leanne Pico. Stories can hold you back and stories can move you forward. Let our program help you activate your storytelling superpower and take your business to the next level. Now, here is Leanne Pico.
2: Hello and welcome to Story Powered. I'm Leanne Pico, your host. Thank you so much for listening. So glad you could be with here with us today. I've been really looking forward to this show. Um... Firstly, because I get to talk to Sean Callahan, who is a storytelling guru from Anecdote in Australia, and we are talking about sales. Um, sales is one of the biggest, uh, question sort of areas that I get asked about, uh, both in my story coaching business and also in regards to the radio show, I've had a, a few requests and asks about, about, um, how do you use stories in sales? And so I'm really delighted to have Sean here today to help us answer that question. um, and what it means is I'm going to actually not do the story of the week this week because I want to dedicate the entire show to to that conversation, uh, because it is a big issue for a lot of us. We really a lot of us really do struggle with, um, uh, you know, we can tell the stories, but then how do we uh, finish it off and, and and to get that deal or how do we utilize stories in order to move people closer to saying yes. So Sean and I are going to have some conversations about that. But before we do that, I wanted to thank Helen Kuyper from 24-7 Storytelling in Holland. Um, she was here last week, and we were talking about finding the stories around us. So often we talk about personal stories, and we, or we talk about uh, finding organizational stories but there are also, as Helen puts it, global stories that can be helpful and powerful in our storytelling. So you can have a listen to that on the On Demand Library and the Story Powered page. But of course, you know I'm going to ask you not to do that just yet. Uh, because we're going to be talking to Sean next and we're going to be talking about um, using story to sell. So I want to tell you a little bit about Sean. Sean is one of the world's leading business storytelling consultants. He helps executive teams find and tell the story of their strategy. When he's not working on strategy communication, Sean is helping leaders find and tell business stories to engage, to influence, and inspire. Sean works with global 1,000 companies, including Shell, IBM, SAP, Bayer, Microsoft, and Danone. And he's also the founder of Anecdote. And um, so thank you so much, Sean, for coming to Story Powered. Welcome.
3: Ah, it's a pleasure to be here, Liam. Thanks for inviting me.
2: Well, we had the pleasure of talking to Mark Shank previously from your company. Um, but I'd yeah. like to remind us, uh, tell us a little bit more about you and about Anecdote. You founded Anecdote and, and why did you do that? And um, So what's your story?
3: Yeah, well, I mean, oh. the... The, the sort of beginnings of anecdote really came out of uh, my work at IBM. So uh, I worked in IBM in the, the late 90s through to the you know, early 2000s, and I was part of a, a, a centre that looked at complexity and how you manage the complexity. It was called the, uh, the Kenevan Centre for Organisational Complexity. That's a mouthful, isn't it? Um, <laughs> and, and what we did is we... We went out it was kind of like corporate anthropology. We'd go out and we would collect stories to make sense of messy, complex problems, uh, usually around culture change actually and and then we would uh, get people in organisations to sort of try to work out the patterns in all those stories and then they would design uh, initiatives to uh, either reinforce the patterns that they wanted or disrupt the patterns that they didn't. Uh, behaviour patents more, more often than not. And um, anyway, at about 2004, I jumped out to start anecdotes. And we started off doing that sort of uh, work around uh, corporate anthropology. But our customers kept on asking us, um, you know, can you help us with our storytelling? And in the first instance, we actually said no. You know, we said, no, we're not interested in that. It's dangerous. Uh, You can be manipulated by stories, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But they were persistent. And so we sort of said, okay, we will do it as long as we focus on the small stories, you know, the real-life experiences that people have. And we're not going to be doing crafted stories, you know, things that maybe an advertising agency might do or, you know, a Hollywood film might do. So... Uh, We ended up starting the business sort of on that basis and and it sort of grew from there.
2: Nice. And now at IBM as well, you've you've had a long sales experience as well, right?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, you know, we were talking before about just how much sales has changed. Um, I mean, I remember back in the 80s, I I worked for Oracle. So, you know, I have a a couple of students with big IT companies and my first one was Oracle. Uh, back in the 80s, and, uh, and I remember one day when, um, we were sort of all working there, I was working in the technical sales area, and a sales manager just arrived from Sydney. We didn't really know who this guy was, but he gathered, he, he told us he was the new boss essentially. He gathered us all next to this window, we're on the, I don't know, the eighth floor of a, sort of one of the large buildings in Canberra in uh, Australia. And he just got us to look over the city and he would ask us who was in each of the buildings. He'd sort of say, okay, that building there, who's in that? And we'd all look at each other going, oh, we don't really know. And then he would point (laughs) to one of us and he'd say, okay, go to that building and go to every floor and find out who it is and sell the product. You know, and it was this um, it was classic i mean we and we ended up actually selling heaps of of our product as a result of it but it was a very much those really cowboy days of of uh, of sales i think it was uh, whereas now of course we're all in sales you know, everyone you know i think uh, it was uh, uh, daniel pink you know was sort of making it the point that no matter what we're doing we're part of this sales process we're trying to influence and and, and persuade in some way so it certainly has changed since then, and you know the role of storytelling too. I think is one where people are just starting to understand that storytelling plays a vital role in uh, how someone is able to sort of present themselves, make a connection with their their prospects, but also bring a, a sale to conclusion. Um, yeah, absolutely. So that's the bit that we've been very interested in for some time now.
2: Right, and so what do you think has made that change? Because like you say, that, like that, that is a big, I like how you put it, the cowboy sales, because, and, and you know, um, funnily enough, even when social media started, that's how people were selling, and, and I still see it now, yeah. the push, push, push. But what do, you, what do you think is the change, and what, what um, created the ground for us to move from that kind of model to using story? Well, I
3: think I'm trying to really get the internet And we now have a... There's a change in the power dynamic. In the past, all the knowledge was with the salesperson. And so, you know, they had to educate the the prospect, but not more. The prospect, in most cases, are often more knowledgeable than uh, the salesperson. So the (laughs) type of interaction that you have to have is is quite different. There's a lovely uh, and very interesting book uh, called The Challenger Sale, and it's all about how... Uh, a salesperson not only has to make a connection and build rapport and you know do all the things that you have to do as a as a good salesperson, but you also have to bring some sort of insight, something new to the prospect um, mm-hmm. and and It turns out that that a salesperson who can um, push back and, and and really challenge their prospect with something new and interesting actually has a much greater chance uh, of of making especially complex sales. Uh, so that's right. and, and and the difference between the the productivity of a top challenger sale versus the the rest is something like a two hundred percent difference. Wow! Right? It's it's just like in a totally different realm, if you like, in terms of sales capability. Right um, now, part of that insight though is is helping them see a new story, right? Yeah. So uh, there's a. A lovely quote by uh, Gary Klein, a great um, uh, decision-making uh, researcher, and uh, he sort of said, insight is when you unexpectedly come to a new story.
2: Wow, I like uh,
3: it. Yeah, and, and so that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to help them get to that new story.
2: Now, it's funny that you talk about that because, and again, um you know, I know you work with big companies, but in, in the big companies and in the entrepreneur world, and there's a big push in the entrepreneur world around being an expert. So I just, I'm, I'm intrigued by the idea that, um, you know, we used to be, and and, and it, it never really, I think expertise is fine, but claiming to be an expert I've always found it—it's been challenging for me that people utilize that, and I think you've just hit on it. Is because um, people are much more savvy in their shopping of whether it's a service or a product these days, and so to try and continually take the role of expert in a sales conversation—that's—that's kind of—that's kind of tough, eh? Oh,
3: it is, and um, you know, you're, you're trying to build credibility throughout the whole process of interacting with your with your prospects, um, you know, part of that in- in credibility is based on the trust that they have with you, you know, in the sense that, you know, you're reliable, you know, you do what you actually say, um, you're-, you're credible in the sense that you know what you're talking about. And if you walk in the door and say, look, I'm an expert, in X, Y, and Z, you're guaranteed to make the prospect run a mile. Right? Yeah. Because that's that's their classic push approach, you know, telling people that they are. But if you actually, uh, in front of the prospect and say, well, you know, uh, we had a really interesting um, result actually just a couple of uh, months ago. And you start to tell that story about what you did and the outcome that you uh, helped create or your company created. The prospect then is inferring you're an expert. Yes. Right?
2: And based on your power. experience, that's, that's right? They're working it like
3: out for themselves.
2: Yeah, yeah, and it's based on experience rather than telling, which they're showing Indeed. through story, which you're showing through story.
3: Indeed. Oh, that's, that's cool. Right. And so, um, what, what I find we've been doing to work with um, uh, SAP um, around case studies, right? So they have lots and lots of case studies, but the case studies are written in such a way with the classic. Um, you know, what's the business problem, what's the solution that we um, uh, came up with, and what is the outcome? Mm-hmm. Um, you'll see this in all these big companies, this type of yep. case study. But unfortunately, it's really hard to tell that as an oral story, right? Mm. And also, it's very abstracted. It's very high-level. It talks about what a company did for another company. But the sort of story that humans like, we want to know what a person did for another person, Right? And so it's about how do you help people translate some of those success stories into all those case studies into success stories, something that's more at the human scale that people can understand. Now, it's tricky to do because uh, you know you've got all these issues of getting permission and and um, you know the sort of fight considerable process if you like around that sort of. Activity, um, but it's about you know trying for the salesperson to actually find some of those details so that they can tell it as an oral story rather than pushing a, a piece of paper across the table, um, you know that has the case study.
2: Absolutely. Now in terms of that, so we've moved, and so it's good to hear that even that companies like SAP are, are moving that way too. But so tell us like bottom line, um, we used to have push in terms of sales. Now we've, like you said, we've we've moved to a different place, internet. We've got, I mean, you know, I always tell people that if, if somebody's calling you, like they're probably two thirds of the way down the sales pipeline (laughs) because they've already read your website, they've already read your stuff, they've already checked you out. Um, So, but tell us why is story, so in this new terrain, and and part of it is about social media and the internet, but part of it is also about us as humans, like you say. Why is story useful in sales conversations?
3: Well, I think the, the, the big reason is that people buy on emotion, they don't buy on rational logic. Um, And, you know, for a salesperson, they nearly always have some sort of sales process that they follow, you know. Um, And, you know, a basic sales process looks something like, you know, first of all, you've got to establish rapport, you then build credibility, you demonstrate value, and then finally, you ask for the sale. And in each step of that process, there's um, really good ways in which you can use stories to uh, Mm. push. Through that, you know, from from one end to the other, you know. So, for example, you take something like established rapport. Um, when you walk in to have your first meeting with, you know, a senior executive, um, if you think that you just have to get all the facts out and, and be, um, you know, here here is all the information that you need to make the decision, you often have this real cold feeling between yourself and uh, and the prospect. However, uh, that can be changed enormously just with a simple story. I mean, I'll give you an example. I went to see the uh, CEO of, of a big pharmaceutical company and, you know, like all these sort of meetings to do some preparation. So I went onto LinkedIn and I noticed that she was originally from South Carolina, right? Now, I was born in South Carolina. You, know, you can't tell from the accent, but I was definitely yeah. born in South Carolina. <laughs> my, my father was a U.S. Marine. He ended up in Australia. That's so how I got here. and right. So when I walked in the door, the first thing I said was, oh, so you're um, from South Carolina? I was born in South Carolina. And the first thing she said to me was, that's amazing. How did you end up here? And, of course, I told her a story. And next thing you know, we were connected in a totally different way in relation to this business conversation we're
2: about to have. Yeah, I love that. And, and you know that that's, oh. it's, it's funny. Cause I, I, I do that all the time too. And, and sometimes people are looking, I've noticed people looking at me and, and they, they say, okay, let's get to the business. Let's get to the real stuff. Yeah. And I would think, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a bit too soon. Cause you're, the real stuff is right here. <laughs> Cause what you want to talk wrong. about right now is temporary and for right now, but that connection that you would have established I mean, you're going to remember each other and you're even able to tell the story now, right?
3: Indeed, indeed, exactly. And uh, and I guess the, you know, it's interesting, you know when I was uh, running one of our programs, you know, teaching a whole group of salespeople, um, one of the questions I often get, someone put their hand up and say, yeah, but what if they're real hard-ass, you know, like they're a numbers guy and they just, they, they hate salespeople and I've got to come in there and, um, I said, doesn't matter because they're not—they're not actually sitting there saying. Uh, as soon as you start saying that person's telling a story, you know what are they doing? Telling stories. They only say that if you make the the one hundred and one rookie error of storytelling, which is to say, hey, I've got a story I'd like to share with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you ever seen anyone do that. Yeah, that's 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 the big mistake. You know, I, I call it "Don't mention the S word." You know, you should <laughs> never. Never talk about the word story when you're doing storytelling. Yeah. And unfortunately, when people fall in love with storytelling, sometimes they, they start doing that. It's, it's a rookie error.
2: It is. Um, and you have yeah, to you're get right.
3: past it. um, You know, that's the first step. Um, but really, when you're starting to build the, pr- the proposal, if you like, one of the things I like to, to do is to build the proposal or get to, you know, to work with on the proposal with the client. You're essentially helping them um, work out what the story is in their head about why this thing needs to be done, right? And, you know, we we typically use a very basic story structure here. We sort of say, look, in the past it was like this, and now and then something happened, and as a result of that, that's why we're doing this, so in the future we can have this outcome, right? And that basic story spine um, allows both the salesperson and the prospect to come up with a, a compelling story as to why this thing needs to happen. And and that once they can work that out, you'll find that the sales process moves a lot faster.
2: Perfect. That's great. Now um We've got about uh, 30 seconds until break, Sean. So I think what we're going to do is we're going to just move into break. But I want to let everybody know that, so Sean has started with, um, we, we've started talking about the four parts of incorporating story into your sales and the first part was build rapport, and Sean's given us an example, and we'll come back to the other three after the break. So we're just going to take a, a quick break, and um, we'll be back to you in, in not, not too long. I'm Leanne Picote, and you are listening to Story Powered on the Voice of America business channel. If you want more stories, sign up for my monthly story blast at verygoodstories.com. Love to connect with you. You're also welcome to come and have a like or come and hang around my Facebook page at facebook.com backslash so we will see it in just a sec.
0: Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now
1: activate and grow your storytelling superpower with leanne pico of very good stories stories inspire stories engage and stories move people to action It's pretty powerful stuff. Story coach Leanne Pico will help you develop your storytelling skills to be a more effective leader, build a more powerful brand, or create a team of storytelling powerhouses. You can email Leanne at leanne at verygoodstories.com or check out her website at verygoodstories.com. Contact Leanne today to grow your storytelling superpower. Listening to Story Powered with Leanne Pico. If you want to find out more about Leanne or the program, connect with us on the web at VeryGoodStories.com. Now, back to Story Powered.
2: Welcome back to Story Powered with me, your host, Leanne Pico. I'm chatting today with Sean Callahan from Anecdote, and we are talking sales. Uh, one of the biggest questions I get in, in Story Storyland is around how do I use Story in sales? And so Sean is here today. He's a longtime salesperson as well as um, the founder of Anecdote uh, many years ago. And, and, and he's been using Story and working with leaders and great big companies and organizational change around the world. So um, before the break, we started with, and I told you we'd start, we, we're working through the four parts to um, – Embedding story into your sales conversations, and, and the first one was build rapport. So, Sean, so what's the second step, and can you give us an example of that, please?
3: Yeah, I mean, once you've established rapport, the next step is is really that building credibility, and and and, that, and that's all about trust. It's all also about understanding expertise, and this is where you need to be able have a repertoire of success stories. To tell right, so you need them in your back pocket, uh, so that as the conversation is happening, you can actually, you know, sort of recount a success story. I mean, we—I'll give one from anecdote. Um, we helped—we were working with uh, uh, actually with Wrigley up in China, and uh, Wrigley uh, wanted us to help the, their leaders with uh, storytelling capabilities, and the. Uh, Head of operations came along to the program, uh, global head of operations, and she came to the beginning of the program. In fact, Mark was running this program, so she came up to Mark and she said, um, I'm sorry, but you know, I have to, I have to leave at four o'clock. I know we finished at five, but I have to leave at four. And, because um, I've got to have this meeting with the Chinese government, which she's been having these meetings every quarter with the Chinese government because They'd moved one of their factories and um, and they needed to get compensation from the government, but that compensation really wasn't forthcoming, right? Anyway, she sits there and she's going through the, the program and she learns about a particular story structure and she realises that story structure would be perfect for the meeting that she's having with the, the Chinese officials. And anyway, uh, to cut a long story short... She goes to the meeting, she uses the story structure, and at, at the time, sort of nothing really happened, so you know, people are nodding, but an hour later, the Chinese officials ring her, and they say, we're going to make our your first payment on the money that we owe you next week. Right? So this idea of, you know, so we would tell that story as a, an indication nice. of just how some of these structures just hit people emotionally, and that inspires action.
2: Absolutely.
3: That's a great example. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you have to have these success stories. But um, the other thing, too, is, you know, if you take the challenge of sale approach where you bring in insight, you have to be able to, you know, sort of give some example of that insight in action, you know, usually in another organisation or or another part of their organisation that helps them think differently about the, the issue that they're facing. So that's what you're doing in this in the build credibility. A, a prospect needs to be sitting down with a salesperson at the end of a the meeting. They should be thinking, you know, that was an hour well spent. Yeah. You know, nice. I learned things. I was challenged. I had an insight. I, I, would have done, I would have had that person in my office doing this, even if we weren't running this big process to put in this new, new system or whatever it might be.
2: Wow, that is a, a very different way to look at sales than um, most people who uh, actually <laughs> dread <laughs> dread sitting down for a whole hour being sold to, right? So that's fascinating. Oh, right? yeah, mean, it's that's great, right, exactly. It's a great way of thinking about it. Now, one of the things that I um, talk to with my clients as well around that, because the, the establishing credibility, I mean, it is one of the easiest things to do when you've worked with people and and to utilize those stories. Um, Because it actually, it kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier. It's about, it demonstrates that you, first of all, understand what their needs are and that you've dealt with them before and that you've successfully helped somebody through the process, right?
3: That's right, exactly. And, And really to make it a good story, you need to tell it in such a way that people can visualize it.
2: Yes, because right. I
3: find that often people will tell it at too high a level, right. and as a result, they don't get that visual connection and therefore the the real emotion comes from the, the visual elements of it.
2: Why do we do that? Like that, you're absolutely right. It's it's, and I've seen people when they start with story as well, like they're really struggling to get down to that human level, and and I'm not down, but you know, to that place where you're actually connecting in a very human way. What do you think it is that, that keeps people at, well, I mean, at a higher level? I'm, co- I'm coaching a um,
3: very senior executive at the moment, and he's going through this struggle, just uh, as we speak. And, and I think what it is, is the way in which businesses normally run, everyone keeps it high level, and the human element is not, not overtly there. So they, they feel this is different. It requires some level of confidence, Yes. To uh, do something which looks a bit and feels a little bit different. So I think that's that's what holds people back. But once they see the results of it, all of a sudden they become um, you know zealots of the process.
2: <laughs> it's true.
3: Right. Uh, so it's it's really interesting. They they push back for a while, but then they, they give it a go, and then they go, oh wow, you know, all of a sudden people are engaged, and you know people remember, and, and all the other great things that happen with uh, when stories are told.
2: Absolutely. Now, one of my big things around that, because I I used to work uh, when I was in the nonprofit sector, one of the things I specialized in was going and helping find, and I still do it actually, is work to find um, client stories in order to um, help the organization know how they've helped. And so I feel really strongly about this one is that, you know, you have to find these stories if you want to know how you're doing. And in a way, we are accountable to the people we're serving. So these are really important stories to be finding. And so I, I always like I always talk about them not so much as a nice-to-have. The success story, and, you know, it's good to have the failure stories too. I mean, I don't know whether you've um, ever worked with people on, on helping them kind of frame a failure story in order to kind of seal the deal in a sales conversation. Have you used that as well? Oh.
3: I have to say, failure stories could be one of the most important ones for building credibility. Yeah. Um, um, so uh, I had we had a, a, a classic failure in anecdotes. You know, I was doing a strategy story for a company. Um, they told me that they were so busy that I couldn't get all the executives together in a workshop to, to develop the story, and I stupidly said yes to this. Um, and then when I went to present the story back to the organisation, there was a boardroom table. All the executives were sitting around. The CEO was um, at the other, you know the, you know, the head of the table. And as I was telling the story, I was like two sentences in, and the CEO interrupts and says, "Excuse me, Sean. I really, I think stories are just lies." Right. <laughs> uh, and the whole executive yeah. went from smiling faces, you know, excited by this thing, to frowning faces, and the next day I was five. Yeah,
2: because so, you didn't build it. You have to build that, them. We have to get story, them in, right? I
3: tell that story. Sorry, that's awesome.
2: Sorry, no, I was just going to say because yes, you sir. didn't get the buy-in. You didn't get the buy-in first.
3: Yeah, well, that's it. I tell that story whenever they yeah. say they're too busy and they can't do the workshops.
2: Yeah, it's It's great.
3: How many people do you think go ahead and say, no, 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 we still just want to do it individually? No one, because no one wants to suffer that embarrassment, you know?
2: Yeah, um, yeah that's they're great. phenomenally
3: powerful stories.
2: Yeah, that's great. And I, I yeah. love that too, in terms of, because it, it's good learning for you. Um, but again, you know, it requires confidence to kind of sit with that, deal with our egos. Um, and then expose ourselves because, you know, there is this weird world out there that somehow we've gone to this weird extreme of perfection is is all that we must present to the world and it's so opposite yeah. to being human. So um so that's the other part is that the failure stories, I mean, now careful, right? I mean, they need to be strategically um crafted yeah,
3: it is.
2: right for those sales <laughs> conversations. <That's right. laughs> You don't want to be well, going around saying, down "Yeah, I really it screwed up last time." <laughs> well, that's right. It comes down to
3: this, uh, you know, basic tenet of business storytelling, and that is, you've got to know what your point is. Yeah. Right. You don't just fly the you know fly these stories out left, right, and centre without knowing why you're doing it. So, um, if you understand what your point is and what you're trying to achieve with your stories, well, you know, you're in a good position. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so,
2: now, the other thing that I just wanted to hit on, because we're still on um, demonstrating or establishing credibility, because it's a really crucial one, because nobody's going to get, you're not going to get past this point if you, if you don't um, yeah. land this. So the other thing I have seen people do, and it's is cringeworthy, is when they tell other people's stories. And think that it makes them look like an expert because they know the other person's story. So it may be um, whether it's a boss or it may be a, um, a a big business person. And again, sometimes that can be done well. But if, it, if you know, it's kind of it's how you use the tone or it's how you utilize the story. Um, sometimes it's kind of like, yeah, I know this person and this is what happened to them. Have you? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of a weird thing. Oh, that, yeah, yeah, Look,
3: yeah. Like for example, that, that China story I told you—I mean, that happened to, to Mark Schenck. That didn't happen to me, um, but I can tell that story because it happened to our company. And I—I say I to people, "Well, you know, Mark yeah. was there, and you don't make it out as your own story, and you don't make it out as um, you know that I presented the uh, the workshop." And mm-hmm. As long as people are aware of those things, uh, you know, it helps build credibility and and authenticity. Absolutely. So, um, You know, because some of the the great stories are things that have happened to other people. You're not going to have your own stories as your your baseline set of stories to tell. Yeah,
2: yeah. So it's about, and it's about uh, um, extricating the value from it rather than elevating your own ego. Yeah. Right?
3: In fact, that brings up that issue. There's an issue which is a danger here, right, for uh, storytellers, and that is, They start, salespeople who get into storytelling, um, and actually a lot of salespeople in general, love the sound of their own voice. They think they need to talk all the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so we actually say that there's three types of story work. Um, There is storytelling, there's story listening, and there's story triggering, right? And so a good salesperson should actually be in the story listening mode more than the storytelling mode. What I mean by that is you want to elicit stories from your prospect and you want to ask story eliciting questions. So you want to sort of say, uh, instead of asking questions to give an opinion, like, oh, that's, um, so, you know, is that the, what's the key things that you're concerned about at the moment? And they just list, you know, three or four things instead of sort of saying, over the last six months, um, you know, has anything happened that has really caused a concern? Right. and in the second instance, they tell you a story. And in that story, you find all the richness and the messiness, and, and all of a sudden, you're, you're making connections that you wouldn't make if you are just give, given three dot points. That's right. Uh, and, and so that's, uh, I think that is a, a real uh, concern or a sort of a you know, gotcha, if you like, for salespeople.
2: Um, yeah. They just love Thank to you for that. That's sometimes. a... Oh, sorry. We had a little uh, thing there, but I, I thank you for that. That's it's a really great point. And and for me, um, you know, when I when I work with clients, that's kind of the piece. And when I, you know, when I'm in sales conversations, um, you know, asking great questions is is the first thing. And then when you have your your success stories or your failures or, or all of your stories, when, that's when you kind of when you've asked somebody to share a story of of their experience, that's when you can pull out your back pocket story and know which one is appropriate. Um, yeah. especially like if you're sitting down in a sales conversation, it's one of the best techniques you can use in, with, with story is to enable the, the, the prospect to help you figure out which story you need to tell.
3: That's right. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Love it. Love it. Um, so I think the, um, yeah, and then of course the third element, the triggering stories, that's yeah. like, uh, Doing something that's remarkable, so the prospect tells stories about you. Nice. Right? And they're they probably the probably the most important things because you know you think about it. What do you what do you take more notice of the actions of someone or what they say? Well, yeah. you take notice of the actions. So if you do something remarkable in the sense that people will remark on it, um, that is, you know, how do you stand out as a salesperson? How do you Go above and beyond that they're the sort of things that will trigger stories and will actually make a, a big difference in the sales process
2: nice and I, I think that probably leads us we've got about two minutes until we 're going to take another break, but I think that leads us to the third element in the the kind of the story st- sales structure, which is um, the demonstrating value. Can you tell us a little bit more about? Yeah. That?
3: Um, you're still using, in the demonstrating value, you're still using your success stories. But what tends to happen at this point now is you're starting to get some objections, right? And the tenet that we work from here is that you can't beat a story with fact. You can only beat it with a better story.
2: Nice, like it, yeah.
3: Right, so the... Uh, the prospect might have a story in their head like, oh, we've used this thing before and it was a real failure and it caused this pain. If they got that story and you're sitting there going, no, 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 it will be good. It looks to be a fantastic experience for you. That opinion will never beat the story that they have in their head. Right? Mm-hmm. So the question is, how do you help them find a better story? How do you get them to a new place? And so it might be actually taking them on some sort of excursion so they experience a better story. But if you can't do that, well, then you have to tell a better story, get them to adopt a, a new story, someone else's experience. Um, oh, so nice. We call them dealing with anti-stories. So for every story that you tell, an organisation or a customer will have a story that will try to fight against it. And you need to be able to uh, identify those anti-stories so that you know how to tackle them. Right, so you want to get right. those anti stories out on the table as quickly as possible. Uh, so that's that's a big part of the uh, demonstrating value is, is, is how you deal with those objections.
2: That makes it, that makes great sense. And again, you know, um, that's the piece in terms of having kind of established rapport. And started sharing stories, but also listening to stories. You're going to know what stories you need to deal with. Um, and and if you're yeah. not listening, you're not going to know. So thank you for that, Sean. That's great. Now we're going to take another break. Now I can't believe uh, every week I always say this It goes so fast because I just love talking story and I and I'm enjoying talking to you. So um, <laughs> but we're going to take a break. It's uh, everybody you're listening. To story powered with me, Liam Pico, and my guest Sean Callahan. And you can find out more about Sean and Anecdote at their awesome new website like, it's really good if you want to go and find out um, why story is important in the world go and check this out it's anecdote.com and uh it's it's a it's a really great uh description of not only anecdote, anecdote services but they also have lots of great resources so we'll be back with Sean very
0: shortly
1: Activate and grow your storytelling superpower with Leanne Pico of Very Good Stories. Stories inspire, stories engage, and stories move people to action. It's pretty powerful stuff. Story coach Leanne Pico will help you develop your storytelling skills to be a more effective leader, build a more powerful brand, or create a team of storytelling powerhouses. You can email Leanne at leanne at verygoodstories.com. Or check out our website at VeryGoodStories.com. Contact Leanne today to grow your storytelling superpower.
0: The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv today.
1: You are listening to Story Powered with Leanne Pico. If you want to find out more about Leanne or the program, connect with us on the web at verygoodstories.com. Now, back to Story Powered.
2: Welcome back to Story Powered. I'm Leanne Pio, and I am chatting with Sean Callahan from Anecdote in Australia. Um, Just before the break, we're having such a good conversation about, um, and we're talking about sales. So um, hopefully you were listening, but I'm going to recap. So we're talking about how to incorporate sales Uh, story into your sales conversations and your sales um, I would say even your sales pipeline like it might be your conversations but you can do this through social media you can do this through your blog posting could do this in all of your content so we have um, building rapport establishing credibility demonstrating value and then the fourth piece um, which is one of the most crucial and I have to confess that I sometimes forget to do this, and um it's the thing that creates i've you know for a lot of people that I work with um, it's the thing that creates the anxiety now I often forget to do it partly because of that anxiety, but also partly just because I get so excited talking about story <laughs> I forget um to do it but it's 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 the piece where the kind of the you know, your breathing gets a little bit tense and you're, you're getting, your body starts charging. And so some of you may know what I'm talking about, and it's the it's the closing the deal part. And uh, as Sean puts it, it's the ask for business piece. So, Sean, at this stage, what stories are we telling?
3: Well, you know what, this is this is where the stories drop off. Yeah. Right? And in many ways, once you get to the point of asking for the sale, uh, you don't want to add too many extra things. You don't want to um, uh, sort of uh, add more thoughts to the process. The only sort of story that you might want to tell here is a future story. Right? And um, you may have already told this in this demonstrating value, but sometimes it's useful to, to, to also do it right at the end. Um, the sort of story we like to talk about in the future is, I mean, if you come up with these... Um, made-up stories of, of the future, but I don't know very few people really believe them. Uh, so I tend to try to uh, do a thing which was inspired by a quote I, I got from, it's quite a well-known quote by uh, William Gibson, you know, the sci-fi writer. Mm-hmm. He said, the, the future is already here, it's just unevenly distributed. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like this idea in these big, big organisations, like somewhere they're already doing the future. You know, it's already happening. And if you can only find those stories uh, and then share them and sort of say, and this is where you want to sort of engage imagination a bit, you tell the story and then you sort of say, and imagine if we could do that or imagine if we could scale that across your entire organisation or, you know, you want this this ability for people to go, yeah, that's that's the, that's the end point I want to get. Um but when you're, asking, when you're really asking for the business, I think you ask for the business and you, it's the time to be a bit quiet, to just to sit there and wait. I think that's the key
2: thing. Sometimes and the thing responses. that's very hard for people, right? Because what happens is, you know, and I've seen people do it um, you know, and I did it myself a well while ago when, when you're kind of in that moment, like I said, the anxiety's coming up and you're you're kind of like, is this gonna happen? Is this not gonna happen? And so then what I've seen people do is is then start telling stories. So it's really funny because they've got a real sales process set out. And then they start, and, and you know, I had this client who did this, and then I had another client who did that, and, they, and they're confusing um, the prospect at this stage. But the stories are coming from anxiety rather than strategy, and that's the bit that I, I wanted to, that I loved about how you set out this sales structure is you, you stay silent, you wait, no more story, because otherwise right. you're just, you're baffling them.
3: And I think you know it's something that salespeople, good salespeople, have known for for some time. Um, it's interesting. I was chatting to a, a sales manager in IBM just recently, and he was saying that he reckons about twenty percent of his sales force are natural storytellers. Uh, mm-hmm. They just know how to do it. Uh, and by the way, there he's twenty top people. You know, it's the it's the top of the crop. He said if he could only get another twenty percent his sales force doing this, it would just make an enormous difference to his business. Right. right. So that's the sort of level of capability you're trying to change in an organisation, That's in a sales-driven organisation, um, you know, and taking them through these four sort of... You know, and, of course, every big organisation has their own sales process. I mean, this, this sort of reflects those types of sales process, but it's actually working out, OK, so where do you use... Types and approaches in each in each step. Uh, yeah. So it's yeah, interesting. Once you get to ask for business, most salespeople know good one. so no, that's the time to be quiet.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so now, so in terms of because, and that's the thing is that so you know what I described earlier is the kind of the nervousness, etc. But I've also experienced salespeople who go in for the kill. So it's kind of you know, and then start pressuring. So you know, I like the idea of just staying quiet and and silent because it's respectful and it's waiting for like that's when you're listening is is probably most important too, because you're about to deal with either an objection with with a no or a or a yes and let's get moving right
3: yeah yeah that's right i mean it's like there's so many different styles styles, and you know people have their own ways of of doing things and yeah they develop a an approach, if you like, but um, I guess what we're saying is that you know, if you can take that, you know, triumphant of storytelling and story listening and story triggering, and know when to use those three things mm-hmm. at different parts of the sales process, you know, the result is a better outcome in in both the prospect and also the seller.
2: Right? Nice.
3: That's got to be you know the, the graphic win you win. Know? Absolutely. what so, now- you're aiming for.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Now I wanted to, um touch on cuz we t- at the very beginning you uh intri- when you introduced yourself you were talking about um the fact that you didn't want to do storytelling because of the fact that um uh you know it can be used for good or evil. And so, yeah. you know, the sales conversation is is one of the most um uh I'm going to say delicate conversations potentially in terms of um how you use story and how whether you use it to um, how you're using it to influence your prospect. And so I'm wondering whether you can give us some, you know, thoughts about what do we need to bear in mind? Like if we're using, you know, telling stories, it does drive, we, we bring up emotions and we use them to influence some, another person. So how do we tell stories with authenticity and integrity um, without manipulating, do you think? Yeah. In yeah. in this sales it's really piece particularly,
3: it's a very important part of of using this technique because I'm amazed that actually when I when I introduce the idea, I um, will get often questions. One of the first questions you know people ask their hands will shoot up and they say, "Can we make up the story?"
2: <laughs> yes. Right?
3: And I have to say, that, look, guys, you just do not want to make up the story because, uh A, that's where your credibility gets shot down when they discover that the story was not a true story, yeah. right? You know, you, you might as well not use the technique at all if you're not actually drawing from, you know, real-life experiences. Now, the thing that salespeople are up against is usually time pressure, Right. So that's why they need a good marketing department who are feeding them good oral storytelling, you know, good old stories to tell. And this is the thing that they don't have in most cases. Yeah. Right? They've got their own experiences, sure, but when you're selling large you know, solutions, you, know, you don't have all those stories in your own experience. You need to draw from what happens in the organisation, but they don't have them in the format. So that, that's part of the challenge that organisations are facing. Um, but here's the thing. It's, it's a lot to do with sales managers, right? Sales managers uh, have these moments in time where they can reinforce a culture one way or another, right? So, for example, if they hear a sales guy come in and, you know, He's going, yeah, I just won well, just won the big sale, and the, now I told them, and then, then they reveal that they tell have just told them a lie, essentially. Mm, in a story. Yes. And at that moment, if the sales manager goes, "Hey, well done," slaps them on the back and say, "Great sale," you just yeah. reinforce the culture of, of 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 pulling the porky pies rather than actually uh, you know being acting with integrity, right? Yeah. So at yeah. those moments that a sales manager has to say, no, no, hang in there, guys. The the sale's not worth it if we don't do it well. Now, this is tough because you're up against quotas and you're up against uh, all sorts of pressures to bring in those numbers. But it's at those very specific moments that you're reinforcing one culture versus
2: another. Well, yeah and and that's um, where i mean i think you raise a good point around time and around the pressure and the and the pressure to deliver and like you say targets but like you say i mean that's the piece that in organizations that um you know if they if they create a culture of of story then they they really could be building the stories before the urgent need arises so like for me it's it's the marketing department the sales department and the service delivery department and the customer service department I mean if they could all somehow you know get together because because the marketing department needs it from the service delivery you know like you you're not going to get client stories you're not going to get any of those um, unless you go and do some story listening Um, but my thing is they don't need to make it up right like they almost never does an organization need to make it up the stories are there they just have to go find them before yeah. the yeah. before the pressured sales conversation occurs, right? Like they need to be equipped.
3: That's right, exactly. So yeah, so it's you know I have a little test for um, you know whether uh, you know whether your credibility is maintained. You know, so if you say for example you use a story to persuade someone, right, and after you've done that. You tell the person, hey, by the way, one of the things I did was I told you this story because I knew that that was going to persuade you, engage you emotionally. If they turn around and go, no, it, that, is a, that was a terrible move and how dare you, you know you've gone, you've gone too far. If they turn around and go, you know what, that was, that was really good, that was a great story, I'm so, you know, that helped me really understand, then you know you're <laughs> on the right track yeah right? nice, and so nice. it's just, it's sort of like a in a way you sort of you're just sort of testing to see what your reputation would be if if the whole curtain was raised and you could see the Wizard of Oz there you know sort of doing what he needs to do to make make the world work, right yeah, if they can see it and they're happy with it, well, then you've got the right process right, nice,
2: yeah. nice, so a quick question though around um the emotional stuff, so do you think it's ever okay yeah. Uh, maybe not ever. We got about three minutes until, until we need to close. But I really wanted to hit on on um, something because it, it's it's uh, the, the use of fear in advertising is it seems to be growing bigger. And we talk, I mean, there's a lot of po- um, conversations about pain points and and focusing on the customer's fear. What do you think about that? And yeah. creating stories that really uh, focus on the fear rather than on the positive outcome that
3: they could have. Well, you have to do both. You have to do right. both. You have to uh, share stories. If you really believe that if they take a particular course of action, it's going to cause them pain, and you've seen it happen in other instances, you need to tell them that story. Yeah. Right? Um, so it comes from the, not from the basis of, gee, I need to tell a fear story now because I know that's going to work. You don't want to come from that basis. You want to come from the basis of... Um, I've seen people do this and it's caused them pain. I need to tell them that story so these guys don't do that.
2: Right. So you're doing it in the interest of being helpful rather than in, right. in the interest right. of scaring them into buying.
3: Exactly. I mean, you don't want to get them, you know, don't want to create just a, a, a fictitious fear story just to get them to buy your product. I mean, that would be a terrible way to uh, sort of uh, grow your business. I think what you need to do is, you know, you need to be very mindful of the stories that are emerging, which are failures, because we know that fear has a phenomenal impact. People want to avoid pain, right? So if you do see a story of someone failing, well, you you, rather than just sweep it under the carpet, and we'll never talk about that again, then you go, oh, no, that's a great story that we need to bring into our repertoire so that we can stop the next guy making that mistake, right?
2: Yeah, and to me, though, that, that brings it to a, again, it's like being helpful and helping them go to a, a different place um, that will, yeah. you know, because I have seen people use the fear, you know, in advertising particularly or, um, you know, or leadership, using the fear story, like creating a story, and using it for fear and then not helping people understand the better outcome story. So it's just, uh, well, yeah. So that's a really great point. And thank you, Sean. Because I, you know, um, I think these are all such important parts of, of the sales process. And, and I do think that um, as we, you know, talked about the the ways of, of utilizing story skills, as well as your four um, Uh, parts of of sales conversations, building rapport, establishing credibility, demonstrating value, and asking for business, I think we can elevate the sales story overall for companies and for entrepreneurs. So thank you so much for being here today. Really appreciate it.
3: Yeah, it was a pleasure. It was great chatting to you.
2: Nice to talk to you. So again, you can find out more about Sean and Anecdote at anecdote.com. I highly recommend you check out their uh, website and um, the blogs uh, have the, Sean's blogs, and I will uh, put these on my Facebook page because they they're, they set out what we've just talked about. Um, so thanks again to Sean from Anecdote, and please tune in to next week's show when I will be talking to David Gianetto, author of Big Social Mobile: How Digital Initiatives Can Reshape the Enterprise and Drive Business Value. So we will be getting social with Story. And David will be sharing some great examples of how some of the leading companies are sharing their stories and connecting with the hearts, minds, and wallets of today's new social consumers. And don't forget to sign up for my weekly story blast at verygoodstories.com. Uh, and my Facebook page is facebook.com backslash verygoodstories, where we can, uh, like I say, I'll put up some of Sean's blogs for you to check out. Story Powered is on every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks for joining me, Liam Picot, and Story Powered, and I will see you next week with more story.
1: Thank you for joining us this week for Story Powered. Leanne Pico invites you to tune in for another engaging program next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll help take your story and your business to the next level.